Welcome to the Oasis Revival Ministry podcast and sermon of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel McGear. For more sermons or info regarding our church, visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za. At the end of last year, I was spending time reading in Jeremiah 31, and it's just a prophetic word that has meant a lot to me personally in terms of ministry, uh, and also with regards to this church where we've gone, um, with regards to the sound of praise, and, and that, you know, we've spent our worship nights really declaring that we will be a sound of praise, and that the watchman will cry out, come, let's praise. So you've got watchmen on the walls if you haven't been with us. Firstly, can I just see are they, Can I just see who's visiting today? Why don't you just stick up your hands nice and high? Just suddenly thought of all the visitors. Keep them up. I'll just give you a massive hand and just welcome you guys. All right. So, so I'm speaking to the visitors now. All right. So <laughs> in Jeremiah 31, it speaks about the fact that there are watchmen on the walls. And they cry out and say, come let us go praise. Now, if you know anything about a security company, you don't put a watchman on the fence to say, come, yes, good news, let's praise. Your watchman on the fence is looking out for danger. And so God is doing something in the church where he's changing the church so that the church is no longer an organism that's crying out and pointing out all the wrong in the world, but it's saying, come, let's go praise God. And it's calling the world to praise. So it's saying this is God's intent. This is what his nature looks like. This is his kingdom. Let's go praise him. And so we felt personally or as a church that that's our mandate is to have worship nights and, and sermons and, and basically become a sound of the kingdom of heaven on earth. So when you are at the braai, you don't have the worst story to tell, gents. You know, how many of you have been at a braai where they hand out the worst story and then he gets the tongue, right? And, and he gets the chance to turn meat. And, and the guy with the craze, so, so you know, you'll be like, yes, man, once I fell off a building and the next guy's going to be like, I fell off this block of flats, you know? And, and so the stories just get worse until it's quiet and like, yes, he's got the worst story. Now, God's calling the church to come with the best story. And equally so to see God's goodness in your life so that, man, you are a living, walking testimony of God's goodness wherever you go. So that's, that's the journey we've kind of been on and, and we've been singing and we've been praising and, and we've really seen God do something in our hearts with regards to that. And, and so I'm reading on in Jeremiah 31 and I, I felt that for the next decade, God is doing certain things in our identity. The breakthrough is not in the external things, it's in your identity. So often people are waiting for a breakthrough in some area and they're looking at the external things to measure their success or to measure their breakthrough. And God's saying, I want to work on your heart. And so in this next year, he wants to do things in our hearts that transform us forever. So if we say, I want breakthrough, we're saying, Jesus, will you come and transform my heart completely? How many of you just want to be transformed? <laughs> All right. 
Awesome. I'm, now we're speaking to the right people. Okay. So, Jeremiah 31 verse 28 says, And it will be that as I have watched over them to pluck up and to break down and to overthrow and to destroy and to afflict. And, and when we read that line in our quiet time, we want to skip over it because it sounds all negative. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but actually God's saying there's things in your life that I have needed to overthrow. There's things in your life that I have needed to destroy. There's things in the church that I've needed to pluck up. There's things in government I've needed to take down. There's things in the nation I've needed to whittle down. So that, in the next sentence, as I have done that, I am now going to watch over you to build and to plant with good, says the Lord. Crowd is cheering. <laughs> it's the most encouraging thing you've, it's the most encouraging message you've heard this year. All right? You're in the best sermon you've attended this year. So there's some excitement in the house. And I've been carrying this for the last two, three months that knowing that when we hit this year, God is going to start a process of building and of planting. Thanks, Auntie Lorraine. We can count on you. Come on. <laughs> and so we've just, if you know a little bit about this church's history, there is a powerful history, but there has been a turnaround, and there has been plucking up, and there has been destroying, and there has been breaking down, until I felt God say, now it's the time for building and for planting. Now is the right time to build and to plant. Oh. We're not looking at the past. We're not looking at... And as I realize that it's for this church, it's for every person that walks in the door. If you agree with this message, you say right now in your life, it is time for building and for planting. And the thing about the church is if it happens in the church, it happens everywhere else. So if God is building and planting in the church, He's going to build and plant in the nation. See, that was Jeremiah's ministry. Jeremiah's ministry was one of building and of planting when everyone was running away. When the enemy was coming in, God said, buy land. And he did that. And that was his ministry. And God says today he wants to build his church. And today I want to focus on the building part. Next week, we're going to focus on the planting part. And I just felt that next week, I want or I feel that we're going to bring the areas that we're planting, the, the fields you work in, your workplace, your businesses. We're going to bring that year and we're going to trust God for breakthrough in your fields. But today, we're going to speak about the building part and what is that and immediately the ladies are thinking about big kitchens two fridges five ovens 
open plan homes, seven rooms so everyone can come visit, <laughs> new Bose system, garage for five cars. Thanks, Pamela. One hallelujah in the house. <laughs> About the house. Jesus asked his disciples, he says, who do you say I am? And only one of them could respond, and that was Peter. And he said, you are Jesus the Christ. And Jesus looks at him and he says, only the Father could have revealed that to you. Yeah, and we read this 2,000 years later and we're so used to saying Jesus Christ. But this was a powerful revelation. Because Jesus didn't walk the earth saying, I am the Christ. It needed to be revealed and it needed to be revealed in a personal relationship with Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, on this rock. And I believe that it's not just speaking about Peter and his name, the rock. It, he's speaking about the revelation that Jesus Christ saves. And on that rock, he builds his church. And so in our lives, we have a personal revelation. And I want to ask you specifically to think about what your personal revelation of Jesus Christ is. Is he what the pastor told you he is? Or is he a deep revelation that comes from relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus. And so everything we're saying this morning comes out of that deep, personal, you cannot have breakthrough. You can't have the fancy houses and the cars and the best workplaces and you name it if you don't have Jesus Christ. Because then that stuff doesn't matter. And so... Then he says to Peter, he says, and I will give you, this is in Matthew 16, if you want to go read about it. It says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So with that revelation came a set of keys. And I love parallel stories. If you think about the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, he went down and he took the keys of death and he broke the chains and the bondage but through the revelation of who Jesus is he gives you the keys of heaven so you never have to go down but you have full access to open up what is stored in the kingdom and you have access to pull from that and bring that into your life and into your space. That's just such a powerful revelation. The, 
The revelation of Jesus Christ reorders your desires and your devotions. Hello? Does that make sense? I'm going to explain on that. But last year, around about, I don't know when, about a month before we closed, or maybe two, three weeks, I shared about hosting the presence of God, hosting the kingdom, hosting Jesus Christ in your life. And I, I gave four Ds. I called them Daniel's four Ds, right? That's easy to remember. <laughs> the first is to desire the supernatural, to desire the Holy Spirit in your life. That's, that's the first key to hosting God's presence. The second is to have discipline. That is to desire what the Holy Spirit inspires you to desire. You can't just go around desiring all things. You desire what the Holy Spirit influences you to desire. That's, that's what discipline is. Dedication is being dedicated, willing to do works, willing to get your hands busy with what the Holy Spirit inspires you to do, committing to it lifelong. That's dedication. And the last one is devotion. It's like dedication, but it speaks about your heart. It's fully in love, fully devoted to Jesus Christ. And I felt this morning that when we have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is, He comes and He changes two of those things. He changes our desire and our devotion. He reorders them. And He gives you desires and the devotion to follow those desires in the right order. And if I may, I want to just speak about the building of the church. I know we've got lots of visitors. I know we've got people that are committed. Yeah, I know there are people that are in love with what God is doing with the church. But I felt that the key to change in any nation is the building of the church. Because Jesus says, on his shoulders, governments will rest at Isaiah 9. Unto us a son is born, a son is given, and on his shoulders will rest governments. And he's the prince of peace. And, and if we're the body, if the church is the body of Christ, then where do governments rest? Where are they supposed to rest? On the shoulders of the church. And I want to just demonstrate and just talk about the importance of building the church on this rock, on this revelation, I'll build my church. There's a Proverbs 24 verse 27, I shared that too, and it says, put first things first, prepare your work outside and get it ready for yourself in the field and afterwards build and establish your house and establish your home. It's a Simple principle that basically says, work on your fields. In other words, do good in business before you build your house. How many of you know it's not good business practice to build your house with five ovens and 77 rooms and you name it before you have an established income? Hello? <laughs> so... Proverbs 27 just says, put first things first. Work on your field. Build your house. 
You can't skip working on your field to build your house. Everyone says, yay, awesome. Okay. But now there's a further, there's something that needs to be done first before you can work on your fields. And in Haggai 1, it says, thus says the Lord, verse 2, these people say the time is not yet come that the Lord's house should be rebuilt. Although Cyrus had ordered it done 18 years ago. So in that time, you have the temple that has been ordered to build, but the people are just chilling. They're not building the temple. They don't think there's urgency in building the house of God. So God says then in verse 3, or verse 7, thus says the Lord, consider your ways and how you have fared. Look at how you're doing. Oh yeah, I'm doing good, but, but look at the nation. Consider how the nation has fared. And I'm sure we've spent a lot of time considering how the nation has fared. Right? How many of you, who yeah, has not considered? Can I just see? You are completely free from any negative thoughts. All right? Just say amen. There we go. Tell the person next to you, I've never, you know, <laughs> I'm free of any negativity, any bad thoughts. You know, just shrug them off there. All right. So it says, consider how you have fared. Go up to the hill country and bring lumber and rebuild my house, and I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much harvest, and now he's talking about the field. And behold, it came to little, and even when you brought that home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord, because of my house, which lies waste. While you yourselves run each man to his own, his own house to build it. So Proverbs says, build your field, build your house. And in Haggai it says, build God's house first. Because if you don't build God's house first, you will work in your fields and it will come to little. And when you take that little to your home, God will even blow it away. Hello? That's the most exciting thing you've heard this year. Everyone say amen, awesome stuff. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want, listen, God comes in love and he doesn't want you to feel at this moment condemned. But what he does want you to have is a desire and a devotion that is reordered. And an excitement to build God's house. And by God's house, we don't speak just of a church organization. We talk about a living body. Deuteronomy says, um, it's between Deuteronomy 14 and 30, there's all these promises Moses was writing out. And one of those declarations he makes, he says, there will be no poor among you. And when I think about the word poor, I think about Jesus who says poor in spirit. Poor in relationship status. Poor in knowledge. Poor in wisdom. 
poor in finances. And Jesus says, or Moses wrote, but I, man, he's from the nature of who Jesus is. There will be no poor among you. Look around the church. Look at the people sitting here and say this with me. There will be no poor among us. You see, the church was designed to demonstrate God's goodness. The church is a place where His kingdom, where children can shout freely, where... <laughs> Where his kingdom can be manifested and be an example and a light. Not just I am an example of light, but the world is looking at the church and going, wow, that is what life is supposed to look like. And so God is saying, build my house, invest in my house, invest in the church. Whoa, that sounds hard. But the church is, the congregation is designed. It is created to be the body that God uses. So that the church can go out and plant fields. And so that people can live lives of victory and satisfaction. And he's reordering that. So what I want to demonstrate is he wants to first build, and then he wants us to plant, and then he wants us to eat. Hello? Okay, let's go back to this side. There is a holy place. Out of the holy place come good works. Now I lost my third point there. Just. And from good works comes an inheritance. Hello? All right, let's go back to this side. Now I must just read all three. All right. There is faith, belief. Out of Zoe, you said faith. Out of faith comes Confidence to do good works. You all with me? And from confidence comes victory. Hello, are you, you you're following me? Okay. Can I do a more, few more? There is wisdom. From wisdom comes. Thank you, Pamela. Ten points to you. Knowledge. From knowledge comes understanding. How many, who wants to guess the next one? Father. No one can see the Father. He's in the holy place. But he sent his Son, to do good works. And he left an inheritance in the name of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, okay, I like this. 
Lekker. Oké, okay, church. Next. Government. Doing good works. Inheritance is a nation. Hello. Okay. Now let's make it personal. There is church. And from church we have marriage and healthy families. And we leave an inheritance, a legacy, healthy communities. Do you see how when your desires are reordered and your desires are in the right place, then God works. Is that good? Are you guys with me? Okay. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 says, Do you not understand that you are God's temple and that God has his permanent dwelling in you. Now that letter was written to the Corinthians church. So when you read it, it says in the Amplified Bible, do you not understand that you, the whole church, are God's temple? Hello? Okay, a lot of kids saying mommy, just focus. (laughs) And that God has his permanent dwelling in you. I want this morning to honor every person that has built on this church specifically. Every person that has given to this church. Every person that has spent time and hours on this church. And if you happen to be listening on podcast, I want to encourage you to find your nearest church. If you're visiting from somewhere else, find a church and start building. The church, let's go back. There cannot be a nation if there is not a government doing good. And if the government is not inspired by people who come from the church. There cannot be understanding if there is not knowledge. And there cannot be knowledge if there is not wisdom. (laughs) You cannot achieve anything unless you're part of the bride. And this is not a law thing. See, law says, obey my commands without the understanding, without the wisdom, without the knowledge. This is a thing of understanding knowledge and wisdom at work in your lives. And you see the wisdom of what God put in place. And your desires and your devotions are fully committed. And they're passionately working on every single part of you. And this becomes something you want to do. You can't have children. You can, but you can't. Without a good marriage. 
And you can't have a great, awesome marriage unless you're plugged into the bride. Hello? Now we come to finances. You can have finances, you can work in your field, but unless it's used to build the kingdom, it doesn't carry God's blessing. Hello? Does everyone agree? Malachi 3.10 says, and this is just so interesting, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and prove me by this, says the Lord, that I will not open the windows of heaven. Wow, and I read that and I read Matthew 16 at the same time and it, Peter has the revelation of who Jesus Christ is and he gets given the keys of heaven. And that revelation of who Jesus is in relation to our finances opens up the windows to heaven. And I saw this picture that as the first fruit is, comes off the field and it goes into the house, what flows out of the house is wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. In one word, revelation. What's flowing in is a tenth, is provision. What flows out is revelation. And without full revelation, let, I want to change that scripture that says, my people perish from a lack of knowledge. I want to bring the fullness and the full meaning of that. My people perish from a lack of revelation. So many of us go through the mundane things we do without a revelation of who Jesus is and a revelation of who we are, but also a revelation of just how awesome and amazing God is and how he provides and how he gives and how he looks after and how he cares for and how he comforts. And we start at point B and we try and live from that second point without the full understanding from point A. The full revelation of who God is that can only be revealed through the revelation of who Jesus is. But it has an effect on our finances. I'm sharing this because I'm sure many of you came to church hoping that the pastor's going to say, you know, seven times seven, a hundredfold from last year. And you know what? I heard the same message last year and I didn't quite get a hundredfold from the previous year. God's saying, come to me. Come into that holy of holies. You see, the temple was also structured in the same way, in that there is a holy of holies. 
And then there is the inner chamber, the inner court, and there is the outer court. And all of it was a symbol. See, we can't go and try and be like the temple, but all of that was a symbol of the full revelation of Jesus Christ at work in our everyday lives. Wherever you're working, start to trust for the double portion. Start to trust for the seven times seven. Start to trust for the hundredfold. But do that from the understanding of who God is. Do that knowing that you are grounded and seated in heavenly places. You don't just get seated in heavenly places because Jesus died on the cross. You focus on sitting with the open window of heaven. With the keys of the kingdom given through the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. That's how you go. You place yourself there. You see, and in the heavenly places, what Jesus gives, what God gives is a free gift. He says, Jesus is now your Savior. And so many of us respond to Jesus as our Savior. But when it comes to going and working in the fields, Jesus has to become Lord. Hello? See, if Jesus is your Savior and your Lord, then he frees you and you obey. Hello? Last scripture, Romans 10. The scripture says, No man who believes in him will ever be put to shame or disappointed. No one, for there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. The same Lord is Lord over all of us. And he generously bestows his riches upon all who call on him in faith. Hashtag build your faith 2020. For real. <laughs> By building the church, God wants to build your faith. And I've been so privileged in my life to, in our life, to experience really trusting and having faith and then seeing God respond. Crazy things. <laughs> where God comes and, man, you suddenly realize you're, you're operating on, on some kind of autopilot that doesn't come from, from you. Where you understand this is the wisdom of God that is energizing us right now. Where you understand that where we've come to has not been possible if it weren't for the Spirit of God. If it weren't for his wisdom, if it weren't for his nature. And there's an invitation this morning to build your faith. To say, God, I want to step into what I thought was impossible. And I know that if I don't step into that, then things are just going to stay the same. But I want to step into what was previously absolutely impossible 
to me. And I want to grab hold of those areas that I've been too afraid to even dream about, too afraid to even have vision about. But I know that in your house and in your presence and in your holy place, there is the fullness of revelation. And so I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to go out and do the things I could never have done before. I'm not afraid to give where I was afraid there would be lack. I'm not afraid to step out and bravely and boldly build and plant. And so I feel that God wants to open the doors. When until Lorraine just started talking about two big doors, I just remember the first invitation we ever made for the first service that was ever held in this venue. And it was a picture of two big wooden doors. And it just struck me that God opened those doors. But he's now calling us into even new things. Greater things. Bigger things. And he wants to build an environment of faith. That says man I'm going to go boldly where I've never gone before. I'm going to see things I've never seen before. I'm going to have a deeper, fresher, newer revelation of Jesus that I've never had before. Are you guys ready for deeper revelation? Are you ready for fuller encounters? Are you ready to see fields bursting? Your place of work brimming at the seams. Where your problem is not enough workers and laborers and harvesters. And not the other way around, not enough harvest. Come on, our world is full of harvest. And what we need is workers, people who are ready to build and see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Why don't we just give God a massive hand just for his revelation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.